recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get it on. I'm just as nervous as my first time in 2014 as I introduced the show. We're on episode 18? I'm going to say 17, 18. I lose track. It's so <laughs> I lost much fun. Track too, yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome back, Renee. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Great. The Martial Culture Podcast. Thanks again for joining us, Matt Peters, Coach Renee, a special guest in the room, all the way from Ohio, Nathan Hunter. Thanks for joining us, Nathan. Thank you for having me. Nathan was the first guest ever on my first podcast years and years ago, and uh, he came back to grace the studio to make a. Uh, to bring his good luck to the Martial Culture Podcast. Also has an illustrious career as a high school and college level champion in wrestling. Well, you won championships and you, you wrestled with some great people and you wrestled, you did some great wrestling yourself. I, the important thing is that you stepped into that room and you competed. I, I say, you know, anybody who gets into a college wrestling room and, 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 and wrestles and commits themselves to that path is just worthy of respect. People don't understand how hard a room, a real wrestling room is. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's just great to have you. And, and you, you uh, wrestled with some, some, some MMA fighters who are now really famous. So, uh, yeah, please, uh, let's, let's uh, hear your background and how you got into wrestling. And, and, uh, and what, what year did you, how, how old were you when you started wrestling? Um, I was um, probably about nine, the first time I was on a team. Um, did your dad get you into it, or you just how did how did you? No, not at all. Um, in fact, everyone in my family played basketball or football. Um, they're all tall and lanky, and, <laughs> and um, you're not. And I'm not. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Natural grappler body type. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I, 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 but I worked on a farm. I grew up on a farm. Um, I, and in middle school, I would go uh, with my wrestling coach. He owned a farm too, and I bale hay in the summer and. Mm. Get ready for the next season, and that was replaced a lot of um, weight training. Yeah, do you know but. Matt Hughes? He's a famous wrestler who went oh, yeah. to Denver, yeah, and mm-hmm. he he grew up on a farm too. And he's and yeah. people said that Matt Hughes had crazy strength. And he, they, he's Matt. People ask him like, "What do you do for conditioning?" He's like, "Yeah, you know, bale hay." <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked on a ranch for five years, uh, and um, the first time I met a Greco-Roman wrestler. Uh, and so what he could do is when he grabbed a steer and wrestled it to the ground. And I'm like, holy crap. That's <laughs> just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, yeah, the, the farm strength is, is no joke. Yeah, feed sacks, uh, you know, you got to carry the feed around. Um, well, nowadays you got a lot of four-by-fours and tractors and stuff that do it for you. But um, in those days, um, no, we didn't even have a the bale hay. You threw it. So it needed to move from place to place, oh, yeah. or or if it got um, on the wagon, you had to move it yourself. It, there was no elevator. There was nothing like that. Yeah. And um, I still remember getting a check from him uh, after a day's work, and it'd be like fifteen dollars, <laughs> like five dollars a but load. But this is your dad's farm, yeah. right? Or no, it, oh, it, was oh. a, it was a coach of mine. Oh, oh, oh. But um, uh, to your question, I I think I grew up. Um, and I, I chose a path much different than anyone else in my family. Like I said, they're all basketball players, baseball players, football. To me, that was boring. Um, 
I like you already. Totally I al- agree. I always <laughs> wanted to um, not cripple, but I wanted to hurt people. And I, I wanted to hit them. Um, maybe because I didn't have a dad. So that was a lot of it probably. Right. Like kind of. Use that energy for something more yeah. more sports like than yeah. But I'll tell you, you know what I don't like about ba- uh, basketball, baseball, football is that it's not on you. You know, mm-hmm. when you step into the ring of wrestling, or in, in my case, I did karate and judo. But you know, when we're talking grappling arts, judo, it's just you out there, and you win or lose by your medal, your discipline. There's no excuses. Yep. Now, you can go in a basketball game and you could say, oh, well, that point guard over there didn't do his job or blah, blah, blah. No, it's mano a mano. And and wrestling, I believe, is is like – I mean, I've, of course, I love judo, but there's nothing like a wrestling match to develop that sense of mental strength, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it was interesting. Every year that you wrestled, there would be 40, 50, 60 kids on the team. And um, a month after competition starts, you're down to that same 20. It just weeds people out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very little physical. you got to be physically gifted in certain regards, but it's just a mental game. Um, but that's the aspect I liked. I played football a little bit. I think I played baseball one year. Um, <laughs> I just didn't like any of that. I liked exactly what you said, stepping across from somebody and uh, being one-on-one. You win some, you lose some, and I can deal with that. Um, but I never wanted, you know, if I won, I wanted the credit. And if I didn't, i go work harder and try to get it back. But, yeah. again, yes, I hated, you know, somebody runs the ball around the corner and your teammate blows their assignment and they score the touchdown and win. Um, I didn't want to rely on somebody like that. Yeah. So, and where I grew up, it was really rural. Um, where, where in Ohio did you grow up? Uh, 60 miles south of Cleveland. Um, it's called Louisville. And um, Louisville, an alliance area. Um, it's just corn farms, cornfields, and uh, dairy farms, stuff like that. A um, beautiful, beautiful place, I'm sure. It is. It's yeah. nice. It, it's, um, there's not a lot to it. There's not a lot there. But, um, you know, for me, it's home. There wasn't a lot of programs outside of a couple school programs. So um, wrestling is big in that area. I don't know why wrestling is really big with a lot of farm communities, yeah. but it is. So um, I I just I boxed, but I boxed by myself in my garage. <laughs> you know, I bought a bag and yeah. and then I would hit it. And um, you know, growing up, um, sometimes catching some Mike Tyson fights or something, you know, and just watching them. Over and over and over again, and uh, you know, but there was no um, not letting the availability of things now. Even in my little community where I grew up, I have recently moved back. There's an MMA school there. Yeah, it's huge now. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, um, but when I lived, I mean, it was a one horse town. Right. You know, I I grew up in a, in a different area. Every right in New York, I, I can't speak of the rest of the country, but I think it's pretty much the same. It's like martial arts was not like it was today. Any martial art. I remember uh, I was five when I started doing karate, and my dad had to ask. He was a doctor. He had to ask a patient who trained. He said, "What? Where's their school? Because my my I want my son to learn martial arts." And uh, and you know we had to ask around to find a school. Mm. Versus now, I drive down my community that I grew up in, and there's one school after another after another another of, of, of every different martial arts style. There's Aikido, Taekwondo, MMA, Jiu Jitsu, Taekwondo. Just everywhere, and uh, 
it's shocking to to see how martial arts has permeated our, our lives. Uh, and uh, and I, I, generally speaking, I think that's probably a good thing. But there's something about wrestling because it's not for profit. Uh, it's it's you're in that room. You you know the, the, any any community martial arts instructor. Obviously, he wants to get the best out of you, but at the same time, he has to pay his rent. So most dojos or, or, or gyms or whatever, um, the the catering to, to making you your absolute best with no excuses and extreme accountability to your failure is just mm-hmm. not there because if they get too hard on you, you quit, and yeah. then they can't pay the bills. But when you're a coach who's paid by your elementary school, junior high school, high school, or college to win – you're like, you either do it or you leave. And I still get paid. So it's okay. So my 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 hardness, my my reality, my my pushing of the students becomes better because I I, I know I can get I get the best out of whoever has that in him. And uh, and so I think even even a, a junior high school room, a high uh, elementary school room, it's it's a level of intensity different from the community martial arts schools we're used to. Not always the case. I know some judo schools. Uh, that I remember going into. And when I was a kid, the karate school I walked into, it, w- it was a very different thing. Also, also, back then, the rents were incredibly cheap. So mm-hmm. you had five students, you could pay the rent. <laughs> you know, now it's not like that. But uh, but I, I, I cannot stress the respect that I, and I can't stress enough the respect I have for people who went through that, starting at nine and wrestling your entire life. I, I started very young in martial arts. And I'll tell you, when I was about 14, I had um, a friendly match. Not a not a like I want to kill you fight kind of thing with a friend, and we were working that ranch together, and he had wrestled a little, but not that much. Um, his brother was an extremely talented wrestler who, as I understood it, went to the All American and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I lost touch with him. But uh, he said, "Okay, let's see your karate versus my wrestling," and that fight didn't last too long. And I was on my back, like pinned like a beetle, <laughs> and he had never learned submission holds. He he just watched pro wrestling. It never learned submission holds, but he had enough control over me, of my body, that he could kind of like think about, oh, this is what I saw the Iron Sheik do, or you know, back then it was I forgot the Hulk Hogan. You <laughs> put know? you in the Boston. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, he put me in Amer- what we call an Americana, which is a bent arm lock like this, mm. or a turkey bar, or ch- chicken, you know, reverse chicken wing, and and I had just no idea. I could not get up, and he held me there. First, he held me there and crushed me, because you know wrestling has the, that that body control, and. Um, and that was like that was the moment I knew I had to learn grappling. Like mm-hmm. I just knew it, and then and that's when it started for me. Yeah. You know, I think all fighters probably go through that moment at some point where they have to oh, stand up round fighters. out their their game with the ground game. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you worked on a farm, your coach's farm, in the summers and stuff like that. So did you have a good relationship with your high school coach? Obviously, was that somebody that was important in your life? Uh, yeah, he was my middle school coach, and um, yeah, he, he was. Um, Probably the biggest influence, uh, especially at that time, but probably for the bulk of my life until I went to college. Um, you know, my college coach, uh, I hold him in the same regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially at those impressionable ages from nine to, I kept in contact with him, and you know, until I moved to Florida, so 23, 24. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went um, uh, canoe trips together down rivers. Um, just just because he you know he was a good he was a great mentor and uh that went outside of the wrestling room you know he wasn't just your coach Uh, he was also a friend of mine you know and and a father figure 
Um, so yeah, we were really close. Um, it was really sad. I never, <clears throat> you know, I think as teachers, I see being back home, I see a couple of teachers every now and then. Some of them remember you, some of them don't. And I'm amazed when they do remember you just because every year they're going to have three, 500 kids, you know, and right. I've been out of high school for 20 years. So, and they remember you and I said, that's amazing. That And, they, and so the same thing with him, I always wondered, I'm sure he remembers me, but it's been some time. Um, so when I moved back home, I wanted to get in touch with him, but he had passed. Oh, oh um, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah it, I think he had cancer and, you know, yeah. but, um, yeah, he was so instrumental in my upbringing, uh, working on, um, working on the farm, uh, learning about wrestling, learning how to be a man. Uh, he was, I think he intimidated a lot of people. It was hard, like, um like a military instructor, mm-hmm. you know, that was his, you can imagine mm-hmm. his personality was like that, <laughs> yeah. but you know, that was just the exterior. Um, you know, he was, he was a great guy. That's great. It's guys like that. And, and coaches are serious who have that, that hardness that, you know, we were talking about this, that when you have that hard to coach, you demands that much of you and you reach that level, mm-hmm. you know, it's real and you know, it, it changes something. And you say, I earn that man's respect. I respect that man. And I know his standards. I know what they are. And I earned his respect through my hard work. It changes something in you that you can never take away. You know, when you, when you stand up and do your thing in some, and, 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 and succeed, and and be and or praise for it or get accolades for it all on your own merit. It's 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 an achievement that can't be taken away from you. And I I don't think the medals are as much important to us as as the the respect that are the respect of people we respect. And um, you know uh, that, that that that's fantastic that you had someone in your life like that. Yeah, he was uh, he was always kept in touch. You know, growing up, um, and I got some brothers, younger brothers, and they wrestled, and he was important to them as well. And, uh, and when you went off to college, I, I wanted to ask you a question. And, and I posted a video recently. I didn't see the NCAA championships where a guy used a jiu-jitsu move on a wrestler. And, it, and you know, I've actually seen some jiu-jitsu moves used legally in, in, in wrestling. But, I, you know, I'm not a wrestler. I, I started in striking arts, but I'm really, as a grappler, I started jiu-jitsu, uh, judo, very many years. And then when I moved off to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, you know... I'll be honest with you, the rules of wrestling really confuse me, <laughs> especially yeah. the difference between like folk style, freestyle. And of course, I understand Greco-Romans because it's so different. But would you, because there are a lot of listeners on this podcast who do not have the experience in folk style or freestyle. And 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 like, uh, could you run us through like um, a, a typical folk style match and then how that's different from the international freestyle competition? Yeah, it's confusing to me too, and I'm a wrestler. Um, <laughs> Thank God I'm not alone. No, so I got a lot of flag because they're like, "That's illegal." What he did, I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't know that." <laughs> well, I think I saw um, the movie you're referring to in the match. I think you guys shared it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so I, I'd be pretty mad if that wasn't because it's the it's a wrestling match. It's a right. sport. It's not a fight. Right, 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 right. So it probably does not have a place there because. The point of that move is to make them submit, right? So, right. I thought he was just trying to turn him over. I mean, obviously there's a submission, but um, obviously there was. But uh, I, I, I didn't realize that certain grips were not allowed because you know when you do it uh, backwards, you have that like kind of like weird Russian tie throw that yeah. says that maybe he's just trying to do that. 
But obviously, I was wrong. I mean, and to all those wrestlers out there, when I, I was not praising cheating, it's like, sorry about that. But yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, I, I didn't know. You know, I, I, I thought maybe he was trying something else, you know. But you know who did a Kimura in, in the World Championships was uh, Mark Schultz. He actually did a Kimura on, um, on that famous Russian wrestler. I forgot his name. But he, I, I should have known because he got disqualified too. <laughs> but he did, he got the guy shot in for a single. He reached down, hit a Kimura, oh. flipped him over. And then as he, he used it to flip him over, but he went too far with it. Yeah. I think he just used it as a, as, a, as, a, as a control. It was in the 80s. He used it as a control. I'll share the video for everybody on the, on the pipe. But he used it as a control, but then he went a little too far and he wound up getting disqualified. I used to yeah. wrestle with a guy um, in high school who was the master. He he set maybe the state record for pins in a season. And what he would do is when um, mostly uh, he was a heavyweight, so mostly in second period, maybe he gets a takedown on the first, but in the second period usually um, if he chose up, he'd be on top. He'd start on top of the guy. He'd break him down, get him flat to the mat, and then go off to the side and two on one, two hands on one wrist. Right, right. And um, pull it behind the back yeah. and up and arm, try to get an arm bar. Right. Okay. And in in the, in the, in guys for jujitsu, what wrestlers call an arm bar, we call like a chicken wing or a kimura. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah, chicken, yeah, wing, chicken yeah. wing. Right, right. Yeah, right a lot yeah. of old school wrestlers yeah. uh, call yeah. it chicken wing, too. Yeah. Um, so just uh, pull it up. And then by doing that, though, um, uh, if you're on the bottom position and you're strong, you can. You can fend that off pretty easy because all you're just keeping it in close to your body. Yeah. Well, by getting the two-on-one and then uh, putting some pressure on it um, would remove a lot of that strength. And so he was a master at – and there, you could see we'd be watching – after a while it became a thing. We'd all be watching. And the refs knew too, and the refs would get right – their face right in there – to make sure, like, as soon as, if that elbow locked, they'd call it, they'd break it, and they'd have to start over. But he was a master at getting right to that point where the elbow's not extended. It was more like this, yeah. but it's enough pressure to get it in, and he'd slip the arm so bar. He, and, yeah, he wouldn't do a submission, he, but he'd just be on the edge of... Teetering. Yeah, yeah. teetering. Yeah. Right, right. That's interesting. But, um, so how long are each wrestling is periods in folk style? How All right, so folk style, um, you know basically everything up through college, right, um, through school programs. So when when I was a little kid, um, there were one-minute periods. And then when you get to high school, they become two-minute periods. So Wow, that's short. So um, um, youth is three one-minute periods of regulation. Um, middle school and high school, I believe, are uh, three two-minute periods. And then when you go to college – uh, it's the first period is three minutes, the two still three rounds, so the second and third are two minutes. And, um, you know, the thing that I'm most amazed by um, <laughs> a lot of the martial artists and MMA guys now is their conditioning. You know, you see guys, if you ever see some of these matches that are grappling heavy for 20 minutes, that is unbelievably impressive. Um you know, just going through that amount of conditioning for that long, that much grappling, that much lactic acid. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, you know, most of the time, um, us wrestlers, six, seven minutes, uh, which can seem like an eternity, but, you know, it, it's an obtainable level of conditioning. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's interesting. I, we, Jilson's a conditioning master, but um, for to people get in blue belt uh, in, in my system, my fighting system, which includes a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo, 
they have to do a 45-minute shark tank, which mm. means continuous grappling for 45 minutes and Jeez. fresh opponents. But you like – it's different. Wrestling is more intense. So it's not the same pace. Sure. You know, the tempo is higher in wrestling, especially with the takedowns. The tempo is much higher. In jiu-jitsu, because of submissions and the way you work – the tempo can be a little bit slower, right? I mean, it definitely can, can rev up, but you don't rev up all the time. So while I, I totally agree with you, you know, tra- training for, you know, uh, long grappling matches is, can be grueling for sure. That's no, no question. But sometimes you can, especially in jiu-jitsu, you can play with the tempo. So it's not like going 300% for 45 minutes straight. Okay. Um, but but that being said, it, of course, it's, it's, it's grueling, right? That's the whole point of why we do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So also in folk style or, you know, school wrestling is that um, you're attacking the legs, but you can attack the upper body as well. Right. It's a merger of the two systems. Um, and you're like that through college. Uh, in the off season, all those age groups off season, you can go and do Greco, Greco Roman. No legs on Greco. No legs. So you're just talking throws, upper body. How does the scoring system in folk style differ from freestyle? I know this is very complicated, but you know, like, how do you besides pin, besides pinfalls and and you know, and the, the turnovers that when you turn over and you expose their back, like, can you explain that to me a little bit? Um, I'll try my best. I yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's been a long time since I've. Um, but how do you generally? How do you score? So especially for our listeners who yeah, who have not so ever in, wrestled in high school and most college. Most of our listeners have not wrestled because I've done high school and college. Yeah. I can. So uh, if you take someone down um, and maintain control on top of them, that's two points. Um, and how long do you have to maintain control? Three seconds? No. Oh no. no. I mean, it can Just, be pretty instant. Okay. Um, but. Um, they cannot have any portion of control on you. So if they still have an arm wrapped around your leg or something like that, mostly you got to get around behind them, and it's hip to hip. Got it. Um, uh, so that's two points. A reversal. So um, you're on top of me. I hit a switch. I end up on top of you, basically hip to hip. Yeah. That's two points. Uh, okay. You're on top of me. I stand up, I break your grip, I get completely away from you, where you're not grabbing onto me anymore, that's one point. Um, Now, as far as um, the back, if you were on top of me and you tilt me or chicken wing, whatever, and expose uh, my back, I think, past 90 degrees, the referee's going to start counting. And he'll count to five. And... The max that you can get for that move, for that instance, is three points. It is a little weird now no, that I think about really it. But if he counts to two, yeah. it's two points. Two points, right. Oh, I okay. think if he counts to three, then you're at three, four, five, three points. Hmm. So you can't get no, any No, that's higher. really interesting. And, and I think, you know, rules make styles. And this is one reason why a lot of times jiu-jitsu guys have difficulty with wrestlers so they take them down, and generally speaking, jiu-jitsu guys don't have as good takedowns as wrestlers, right? Not always, but generally speaking. Wrestlers are much better at takedowns, right? But they have trouble holding them down because a lot of wrestlers are really good at getting back up. And I, I see that. Like, if you – you disengagement is part of scoring in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that, and uh, and I'm kind of ashamed I didn't know that. But it's, it's, it's so true that a lot of times getting down, you see, like um, – this happened to Damian Maya. It happened to a number of jiu-jitsu guys. They take the guys down, and then they can't hold them there. 
Yeah. You know, and right. but pinning and control is is really important. And I was actually talking. I was getting an MMA fighter who visited us from France, Sammy. He's fighting in a few weeks. He came in and did his camp in, in our academy recently. He's an amazing guy, amazing martial artist. And I said, Sammy, you have because he's a striker, right? And he has some some grappling background. He's a very good grappler. But I said, Sammy, you have to not accept the grappling. You have to get up. You have to do it over and over rounds of doing that of disengagement. And and it's a skill that you have to really really practice. And wrestlers come in with it, whereas I think. Generally speaking, jiu-jitsu guys kind of accept the grappling because we're like, oh, we're grappling. I'm a grappler. Let's grapple, you know, right. versus like, oh, good. I'm, I don't want to accept your – your. I don't want to go there, so I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you take me down. And if you take me down, I'm going to bounce back up. I'm not going to stay there. And uh, and that is a great skill to have, particularly from a self-defense perspective. The big criticism of jiu-jitsu is like, well, if I'm on the ground, I don't want to you know, be fighting like two guys, right? Well, of course. And, and in old school, old school – old school jiu-jitsu from like you know 50 years ago they would stress getting up because they were all about street self-defense and that is lost in modern jiu-jitsu today uh-huh. i don't know any like modern jiu-jitsu guys who understand how to get up and really really effectively like wrestlers do hitting their switch hitting your your push in the head and it's in my academy trainer all the time but it's a really important skill and and I'm always impressed why wrestlers had it. I'm like, wow, wrestling's great. And I never thought of it. I didn't realize it's in the scoring. I and that's that's great. You know, that that's fantastic. Such an important skill. And it's good that they they reward that. I didn't know that. Um yeah. I remember the first time I saw jujitsu thinking, Wow, there's flat on their back. Yeah, right. It was weird, right? That's part that's <laughs> part of your sport. Yeah. Now I get it, but the first time I was like, Wow, I when I'm on the ground, it's all about getting back up or yeah you know, uh, getting in a dominant position. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know guys that used to um, sandpaper our knees and our shoulder blades so they would hurt, so you would never touch. This is a reminder that if it even got close. That is a, that is just crazy awesome. You <laughs> actually sandpaper your skin off to make sure that yeah. when or, you, you would hurt when you touch in training. Tactile, yeah. Like a yeah. That is thing. just Spartan old school or, awesomeness. <laughs> or <laughs> wrestle on blacktop. Well, now, now all the radical guys are going, crap, don't give Renee any Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're breaking out the sandpaper, guys. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, well, like, like, sued for, like, you know, I've talked abusive. to Matt about it, and it's like, when I was younger, um, it really was, like, kind of Spartan-ish. Um, and then I went to college with a guy who was successful, a uh, couple-time All-American, successful and intelligent, and put science behind training and recovery yeah. and weight cutting and you know weight cutting um first time i cut weight i was 11 uh you know and um i kept off 12 pounds for an entire year and um i was growing i was you know basically full grown at 12 i never really grew past then but um uh that compared to college was it was it was like why are you doing it like this you know, that's that's like a, you're training like a caveman. Yeah. This is next level. Right, right. So, you know, you do things smarter, and it was just much easier, you know, you know it's and, intelligent. And unfortunately, we were talking about this in another podcast, and we, we can get into it uh, as well. It's like, but weight cutting in MMA, in wrestling, I, I mean, it's what's responsible for the most damage to your body uh, other than getting punched in the face, you know. And, and obviously getting punched is bad, but but when you weight cut, you know, when Jose Aldo, all these, a lot of these fighters who have had great careers and then they peter out or they take tremendous damage, they can't come back. Part of it is they cut so much water weight. When they get hit, the concussion's much worse. 
So um, I, I believe that one of the worst things we, we've been regulating is, is weight cutting, and, and it, it's, it's responsible. Last year alone, you know, someone died from weight cutting, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very common. I know the rules, the NCAA rules changed about weight cutting and things like that in wrestling. Did. My first year in college, it was more of the Wild West. Uh, the second year. So what year was that? Uh, 99. So it changed in 99. 99, 2000, yeah, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, a, a kid in Michigan died from cutting weight with the suits on. And then um, the next year, uh, we had fat caliper yeah. testing, yeah. Um, bone density scans, all this other stuff. And they'd give you a number. And this is the lowest that you can cut. It wasn't even a question. You want to try to make 165 or something this year? You can't. This is all we'll allow you to do, you know, if it's 171 or whatever it is. So uh, they, the more oversight, they would also um, give you hydration tests where you have to come in. And, and that was your coach or that was just someone? The team. The team, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and team doctor and all that. just a bunch of changes. And I wish I could remember specifically those times. There were some rule changes and oversight. They may have – maybe that's when they started implementing early weigh-ins. I'm not sure because it used to be – I, mean, I remember in high school weighing in and competing an hour or two later, yeah. two hours, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, and now you can weigh in the day before as long as you weigh that much at some point relative, relatively close to the competition, you can do that. Maybe that's, you know, about when that happened. It's great to see that the safety protocols changed and to protect the athletes. And, and I'm all for combat sports, but, you know, there has to be – that you can uh, 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 managing the the fighter safety and no fighter we were talking about that no fighter will think about his safety he's thinking about winning so he's going to do what he needs to do to win he's not thinking about oh when I'm 50 I'm going to have terrible brain brain trauma no he's thinking I want to win this match now I want to be the UFC champion I want to be this champion that whatever it is Mm -hmm. and that's your goal and you're you're obsessed with that goal if you're not obsessed you are not a fighter absolutely and so you're going to do what you have to do obviously you know not, I'm not talking cheating but you're going to do everything you need to do to be there and if it a little bit of you know pain because you know you know as 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 fighters all every day is pain so you're like okay I'm in I'm in the academy everyday pain well this weight cutting is just pain but you don't realize that this is life threatening and yeah. and so there has to be some oversight from someone else to to keep you from from dying and I really hope MMA starts adopting it. There's an MMA um, uh, show in in in, uh, in Asia, and they make you weigh in when they start the contract. They make you weigh in uh, in the middle of the contract, and they make you weigh in on the day, the day before. And there has to be that same weight all the way through. And um, and uh, the day of the fight, they also check you too. So not just the day before weigh-ins, but if there's a significant difference between the day of the fight and the day before weigh-in, like you just put on like 30 pounds, yeah. that, that's over. And the and, uh, reason is because that organization is run by a billionaire. So he doesn't really care. He just does it for fun. Yeah. You know, he just runs the thing for fun. It's about the sport. So he's, yeah. So he's like, I'm going to run a good sport where if the fight's canceled, the fight's canceled. I don't care. And so, but the fighters are just much safer. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's great. Hopefully, the UFC will have something like that um, in the future. But again, it when you when you have that, obviously, people will not make weight. So when mm-hmm. they don't, and your card collapses, you're screwed. And when you know a hundred hundred million dollar you know pay per view whatever thing is going is is there, that's that's a big deal. <laughs> is, there, is there a kind of a rule or limit that you would say that, I know everybody, everybody's body is different, but how much weight can you cut in 24 hours and not die? I, 
I don't know if it's about weight, it's about hydration. Yeah. yeah, it's about how, how much water you lose. Like, um, because uh, they're not losing weight. They're obviously they're not. So your, yeah. your caloric weight loss is going to be pretty minimal. Pretty minimal, yeah. You got an average of three thousand calories for a pound. So if you're training hard, you know that's that's minimal. But you can get ten, twelve pounds of water off pretty easy. So my fighter G just had a fight, and he was at one fighting at one eighty five, and um, he like he had some advice uh, uh, on on how to do it more scientifically. And it, it was a slog, but he made the weight, and he was back at 200 within, I don't know, like we weighed in at 1 o'clock, and by 11 p.m., he was almost 200, and the next morning he was 200, 200 and something, you know, like uh, 15 pounds, 16 pounds. You know, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm always like – I'm always very – you know, very worried because when you do this water logging, which means you drink a lot of water and then for the whole week of the fight, and you kind of play with your electrolytes. So it is it is dangerous with your liver and your kidneys. And um, so you have to be careful. But, Every, yeah, it's all about manipulating your water weight and your salt intake. Mm -hmm. Every time I see one of these fights go down and it's pulled because somebody goes into renal failure, I just mm -hmm. cringe. I just, I mean, that's – yeah. Um, so you, you're asked if I train. No, I mean, I still do a little training, but it's – nothing you know it's like <laughs> treadmill weights right, and, right. you know that sort of thing like you know my knees hurt and it doesn't get too intense but um but also i got kids and i'm an rn i've worked open heart surgery for a while and electrolyte balance post open heart is critical it's a huge part of it and so uh the relevancy is still in my mind about you know when i see these weight cuts and stuff i know what electrolytes they need to have and what they don't. And um, like I said, if you're doing it smart, right, you're over weeks, you know your fight's coming up, you're reducing your calories, you're upping your training, you're losing body fat. And then when the day comes or the week comes, then you start losing water, usually just the day before, you sweat it out and replace it. But if you do it that, if you don't, if, you're, if your calories are not trending down, like I would have on a calendar, this is just how I did it, but I would have a calendar every week where I need to be, you know, weighing in. And if I'm not, you know, preseason going into like your first match, if I'm not hitting that, I'm just constantly getting behind. And I'm making that cut on the day of competition much worse. Mm -hmm. And so it takes preparation uh, to get there. There's a, a few specialists in, in fighter nutrition out there uh, who – who are, are guiding a lot of the fighters to do it more scientifically. And I think that's a, that's a great thing where instead of being the Wild West and, yeah, just just cutting, you know, they, they, they do watch exactly how they're, you know, you scientifically plan it. This is my caloric intake. This is this is my sodium intake. This is my this, you know, and understanding how I, I mentioned, I'm, obviously I'm not a physician or, or a nurse, but, you know, that in the in your kidneys you have this you have the loop of Henley that goes like this and there's this, the saline side and this side yep. and there's the, you know, how you pass through. And if you mess with that, you can die. I mean, this is like really bad. So uh, I I had an experience, uh, the one fight I lost um, where, uh, man, I was stupid. <laughs> but, you know, I got injured in, in training in camp. And I should have canceled the fight, but but I I didn't watch my weight, so I was way off, off. I was way off, and so the week of the fight, I just starved myself, and yeah. and then yeah. and then I had to cut, then I had to cut after I starved myself, and I walked into the dressing room before the fight, and I was panting, 
warming up panting and I had pain in my in my kidney and I'm like this is bad <laughs> like mm. this is not going to be a good night <laughs> and no, I just got no. destroyed but that being said I don't want to make excuses the guy I fought was an amazing fighter on my best day I don't know if I would have beaten him but I certainly can't beat him on my worst day you know yeah. but I don't want to make excuses for that uh, that guy was a warrior and, and a great 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 guy um, great fighter made it to the UFC and uh, nothing but respect for him. Great, great fighter. But um, but yeah, it wasn't my best day. And and definitely, you know, I felt like I, you know, like nothing worked right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's nothing is going to work right. You don't, <laughs> right, exactly. you don't have the, the nutrients <laughs> yeah. and the electrolytes and the hydration to uh, make your muscles contract and the nerves to um, fire and appropriately conduct signals so yeah things aren't going to work i remember um what you're saying about the caveman old west you know type of uh, training walking into wrestling rooms and being 13 14 15 16 17 years old and they would have it up to 100 degrees in the room and you just start sweating immediately I and mean, you're going to put your sweats on and stuff as well so your body temperature is way up and i've seen you know it was the, the the culture of that room. Not to drink um, water. You better not yeah. take a sip of water. If you did... You kicked out, right? You were, I mean, yeah. You're probably... No, it's the getting, same in Japan. Yeah. The same thing in, in Japan. In the hot summer day, we would we'd go to Shochugeko. Shochugeko is midsummer training, and it's incredibly humid out, like... like like the worst, most humid. You would grew up in Florida. That like that that like monsoon thing yeah. that you get in, in Japan. In Japan, they have a monsoon season, so they close every window and they crank <laughs> up the heat. And you're wearing geese. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if your judo geese are like thick cotton jackets. They're so they absorb all your sweat. When you're done training, your judo gi, I weighed my gi once, it was 27 pounds. <laughs> my judo gi, and I'm a small guy, right? My judo gi was 27 pounds. And we're training for f- seven hours straight, and they come around and hit us with uh, wooden wooden bamboo swords. You know, the the, the, the Japanese kendo? Yeah. Yeah, like, and then and then they have, but they, 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 had, to, they had to give you water because mm. you die. <laughs> but but they like if you want water you gotta get, you gotta do this like you gotta earn the water by like giving me like you know fifty burpees yeah <laughs> you know, like and it was it was so bad wow. but Absolutely. they would they would have like but they would they would like they would say you can stop anytime you want sure. they're like you yeah. can stop anytime you want you know like in the military they go yeah. ring the bell yeah. they're like yeah you can stop anytime you want but you know you can't come back for the next two weeks because mm-hmm. it's two weeks training right but you can stop anytime you want so it's like they're not holding you there. But you, you know, it's crazy. Man. Like, it's like torture. It's just torture. But it breeds, you know, I, I had some, sometimes some people don't understand me, you know, but they, it breeds a warrior culture. And yeah, caveman training is dumb, but sometimes I miss that because it makes you so f- freaking hard. There's nothing you can't do. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, like, after I did that, I'm like, I'm freaking Superman. I, I don't care if you take a crowbar and hit me in the head. I'm going to come. Like, it, it develops this thing in you that you never get rid of. Like, we are talking about internal respect of your peer. But then there's also that, like, I can redline my body here and I still know I got it. Yeah. And when you have that. That confidence. That thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody can touch that. And and it's, yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you, in my academy, we, we don't allow water breaks. But. That being said, I don't turn the heat on or anything like that. But because it wastes time, it's like this crutch. And my guys in my academy are not trained that hard. So it's an hour 
and then you you hydrate between the class, and then you go back in, hydrate, sure. you know, and make sure everybody hydrates before. And it's not like like crazy training. It's like you know, it's like it's good training, but you know, it's it's there are people who are not grown up in the martial art world mm-hmm. and then there's my fight team and those are two different things you know right, right. and the people are just starting out I have one guy he's 50 years old and he's just starting out obviously I'm not putting him through like 700 burpees you know like <laughs> you know, no water 700 you know you can't do that you know you get a break in but, but, uh, but you know so I, I, I moderate the conditioning element it's more technical training but at the same time like I don't want to waste time like oh and, and, and I notice it's like, like you know you, you, I'm going to have my little water like, dude, just man up. You know, like, like it's not that hard. Like, you don't even know what hard is. I did this for seven hours yeah. with no water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't even, don't yeah. even tell me this is hard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one hour. You, you, you tough it out for one yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when you're seven hours, yeah. three-hour practices were typical mm-hmm. um, in the heat like that without hydration. Um, yeah. Irresponsible. Irresponsible, right, absolutely. Um, so then when I got to college and they said, there is a water fountain in the room, and it was like, it was chilly. And I said, when is it? He said, well, it's about 68 in here. We like to keep it pretty cool. And I go, how do you guys lose weight? You know? It was just like, I, I for like three months, I was just, you, you know. feel like it was, yeah, a, yeah, it was yeah. a, a culture shock. They were yeah. pranking yeah. you. Let's see yeah. if the new guy drinks the water. <laughs> no, but you know, you know, it's like there has to be the balance between the scientific side, which we absolutely have to have, and the old school hard sure. side. And sometimes I say, Today we're gonna go. We're gonna train very scientifically, and we do this and this, and we'll be responsible. And then some days I'm like, we're doing it the samurai way. Yeah. You guys, you guys touch that water, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, like and and there has to be a balance. Like I think science and all that's important, but the spiritual. Because I come from a Japanese background, and that's very important in the Japanese thing. It's like that spiritual training. Mm. And, you know, I'm always, you know, this is one thing that I think wrestling, wrestling is a martial art, which I have tremendous respect for. But it doesn't talk about, like, how do you survive a mugging? No. Right. And, mm-hmm. and to me, it's like the most important aspect of self-defense after awareness, getting out of the situation before it happens, is willpower and mental strength. You have to have that, that strength to say, I will survive and I will, I will crush you. And I don't care if you're an 80-pound girl or a 150-pound guy or 250-pound guy. If you don't have that mental strength for that encounter, you will not survive in, a, in real high-level violence. You mm-hmm. know, One student, and he was a, a, um, a, 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 works in a prison. He's a corrections officer. And on a very, very violent – I won't get too into it because it's personal uh, stuff, but an extremely violent wing where he was attacked by three guys with, with sh- like makeshift knives. Three people at a time. And he did have a baton. But he's an old school martial artist. He's done so many different martial arts, including traditional jiu-jitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and striking and boxing. But he's old school. And the first it starts, they, the fight starts with the guy behind him stabbing him in the back. That's how the fight starts. Mm-hmm. You know, because, they, of course, they took him by surprise. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm going to shake your hand, Nathan. Yeah. We're going to attack you now. You know, it starts like shank, shank, shank. And right. then he had to survive. And they were killing him. And he did. And he put all three of those guys down. And... um. He's like, I got through it because of my senses, you know, my mental train, my strength. I was like, I'm not going down. I'm not going down. I you like, know, um, and that's, that's to me, like, kind of an important side, you know. Stipe. Yeah. Uh, these big names like Stipe, Daniel Cormier, John Jones, um, stuff like that. These guys, when you hear them talk, um, it's that, to me, they're talented and all that. The mentality. Yeah. There is no other option. So in this mugging, 
you student? He had no other option in his mind. It was only, this is the way to win. This is the way to get out of this. There was no fight or flight. There was only there's no fight. fight. There's no yeah, exactly. There's only fight. Yeah. So there's only one way forward. You don't go back. When you start to give yourself Avenue B, that's when everything crumbles. Yeah. The same thing in life. It's you choose A, B, or C, whatever. Some of us only see A, and that's it. There's no other way. Uh, I'm willing to bet your student. And if I was in that situation, I would have died. No, that's not true. I'm saying if I could have <laughs> maybe he dies, maybe yeah. I die. Oh, uh, that doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm willing to die for it. Yeah. Because Avenue A is the only one I'm traveling. Yes. Yes. And yes. That's it. Yeah. At the end of the, at the end of every day, regardless of you know what you do or what the situation is, it can be something as simple as my metal a test. My kids like to jump off things. <laughs> so, sometimes it's a good idea. That mentality still it still relates to this. It's not as aggressive, but it's you can't do this. You're going to get hurt. And so it becomes a battle of wills, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to see it my way because this is the best thing for you. Mm -hmm. And in any situation, violent or not, this is the best thing for me. This is what I know how to do. That's the way we're going. No, and I, I you know, it's funny, guys, uh, you can't see Nathan, but, uh, you know, the minute I walked into the studio, I'm like, I like this guy. You know, because I could tell there's a there's a reality, you know, and unfortunately, in the martial world, that's that's like we were talking about the the money and this and that. But there's also a lot of charlatans and a lot of, you know, bull bull crap. And that's one thing about a wrestling room. It's performer don't like it's 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 in the same thing in judo in Japan. It was like either you got it. So, you know, I don't know if people understand that in judo in Japan and it's supposed to be everywhere, but it's not unfortunately in America. But to get ranked, you must win. So you cannot get a any ranking unless you scored a certain number of wins. So if you get your black belt, you have to have, my day was 14 wins. Not, oh, not, okay. not gold medals, but 14 match wins within a certain limited time frame. And if you did not have 14 match wins, you wouldn't get your first on. The second on, it was, what was in my day? It was 16. You had to have 16 match wins in a certain time period. Otherwise, you didn't get promoted. And you just didn't. So you either could do it or you don't. And this rank, you know everybody deserved their rank because they went through this objective standard. And if you couldn't do it, you couldn't do it. And um, that's it, simple. Versus like, and you know, I don't mean to pick on any traditional martial art or something, but you see like a you know, six-year-old kid in some martial art wearing a black belt or a black sash or this or that. And you're like, <sighs> you know, that is so not martial arts anymore. You know, that is so participation trophy world, which yeah. is not what I'm about, no. you know? Mm -mm. And no wrestler, no serious wrestler I ever met was about that. Mm -mm. Um, I, I have this uh, this guy who just joined our academy. His name is Sabino, and he's just a wonderful kid. And uh, he's a very serious wrestler. And, you know, he doesn't even know jiu-jitsu. But, uh, yeah, well, he does now, but, you know, when he first came. But he was just mm -hmm. all about, like, I'm going to go in and get go to war. And I'm like, Sabino, I had to say, that, but you, you have to tap because you just – you're gonna arm's gonna break. But he's like, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, no, 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 no. I know who you are. I know what you're gonna do. When he has you here, you have to give up. You have to tap. And I had to explain it to him a little bit because he would. I, I guarantee, if I hadn't had that conversation, he'd be like, I'm gonna let tap. my arm break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna let it break. There's you know, no and because he's, he's he's a, he is a warrior. He yeah. from the minute I met him, the same as you. It was like you're like, okay, we got a warrior here. That's great. Okay, but we have to moderate. Just like we said, we old school and science especially when you're dealing with jiu-jitsu or arm, arm locks and things like that, 
okay, let's old school here, but not everyday old school. Yeah, find a middle road. Yeah, find a middle road. Exactly, right. For your training. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So you're sustainable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, unfortunately, many times, especially in this day and age, you know, it goes much more to the lighter, like the plan Bs. You just say, oh, yeah, okay, you want a plan B, that's fine, as long as you pay me my tuition. (laughs) You know? Uh, But but, but I want to just change the the subject. Um, And and you see, you you were wrestling with Stipe in, in, in college. And what was he like? Uh, was he he was? Uh, you guys were um, uh, on the same weight class or a different weight class? Or? Well, like I said, I, um, by chance I was flipping through the TV one night. I just moved to Florida and took a job, um, and I remember they were laying there with my wife, and I was like, "Oh my God, look at that! He's wrestled with this guy." And his name was Gerald Harris, uh, at Cleveland State, and um, Gerald went on to have a good career. He was in the UFC, and then um, so that piqued my interest, and I started. Uh, looking into other guys that I knew. Um, and then that's why I came across Stipe. Stipe was, I think, at that time, maybe just getting in the UFC or um, I forget the name of the, the organization but in Cleveland. And um, I, my mind was blown because, um, well, you know, it's been a long time since I've spoke to him, but the guy I knew was like the constant joker. Um Ace Ventura was a big at that time, <laughs> and he was very good at the impressions. You know, he was just very, very funny, lighthearted, um, just uh, always on, just a great guy. But um, I would never, I wouldn't have guessed that he would have been the one that could repeatedly take punches to the face. You know, to me, that's, um, well, I've never done it, so I, w- I wouldn't really know. But th- just the personalities didn't seem. Now, Gerald, I'd be like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you know, because Gerald, Gerald was a really tough guy. But, um, yeah, I, I would have never thought that. But, I mean, now sometimes, like, in the off season, we play football and stuff. And Stipe was crazy athletic, you know, and uh, fast, really fast. He's very, very yeah. fast, yeah. When I, did you see his Nagano fight? Uh, oh, yeah, I, I watch all his that, fights. That, I don't, that, that shot was uh, just, he was on that shot. Every second, mm-hmm. like it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Really? I love, I love Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier is a great wrestler, but he doesn't have that, 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 like right in, you know. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel wrestled Greco, right? He was a Greco guy, or uh, so I find Greco guys don't have that penetration as much as freestyle. I think guys. he was freestyle. I freestyle? actually okay, don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I don't know off the top of my head yeah. um, what Daniel did. I know he was, I think, Olympic alternate or something. I mean, he was yeah, on the Olympic yeah. team. He's an amazing wrestler. I, I remember. You know, more of my knowledge would be um, watching. I watched at Nationals, watch um, him and Kale wrestle. Um, and Kale beat him for like his third Corn- title. Cormier. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he is, he's freestyle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, in college. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stipe was a very nice guy. Um, very quick. His speed was surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very tall. Um, I had a picture here. I couldn't find it on my phone of um, uh, me and Gerald and Stipe in college. But... Um, I'll look through it again here in a second, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just a great, yeah. great guy. It, it's funny you should say that uh, that he was a joker. And I'd say, um, I, I there's always in a, in a team or group, there's always one one or two jokers. And I think everybody has to deal with the pressure of that room differently. And I know my students will find it very, very hard to believe. But when I was training, I was I found it being lighthearted. And making some stupid puns, which I still like to this day, just jokes, like dumb jokes, just it's allowed you to deal with the, the stress of the moment a mm-hmm. little bit better. So you're training hard. I always say to my students, you can joke, but you have to earn the right to joke. 
So you you give me you give me a hundred and fifty percent. You earn the right to joke around a little bit, mm. but you have to earn that right. You know, um, and I had this one one student, Mike, and Mike would just joke around all the time. It was hilarious. But sometimes we, <laughs> but every day he would put the work in. Like he'd he's he's working, so you earn the right to joke. And then, and now that was fine. And the same with me. You know, like I I was always about the work, but. You know why it doesn't have to always be super serious at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes making making some I, I don't do impressions, but you know some impression or a joke or a pun or just making people laugh. It takes the the edge off the room I a think, little bit. I right? think we gotta hear everybody's Ace Ventura impression before we leave. <laughs> I've actually never seen the movie. <laughs> All, right. All right, stop the podcast. We gotta start watching. <laughs> no, I was Ace in Ventura. Japan. You know, I missed <laughs> I missed a whole man. chunk of pop culture because yeah. I moved to Japan. Like I, I missed, you didn't catch up when you got back. I tried to, but it's you know, I was much. in the hospital g- g- recovering from my leg. That's the perfect time. I, I guess it would. Chair, right? You didn't miss much. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Not that good. <laughs> you start, Nathan. Uh, I need your Ace Ventura. Do uh, do the one where like don't go in there. I think that's appropriate, right? Where he comes out of the bathroom. Right. All right. I, I don't even it. think I've ever seen. Oh Maybe I saw the first one. All right. I'm muting uh, everybody. Now microphone. you have to do it. You have to do it. Don't look at me when no, I do it, it though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come on. Come on. You're the one. Do not go in there. Woo. <laughs> do you know Rich Franklin looks just like uh, um, the actor who plays Ace Ventura? What's his name? Um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Rich, Rich Franklin. Franklin. So he, <laughs> That's a whole other character. He's also from Ohio. You know, Rich Franklin. He's a, oh, he's a fighter he? out of Ohio. But oh. he he's one of the few guys. Well, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who, who didn't wrestle first. He was he was a, a striker first. Then he mm-hmm. went to jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. but he was a striker first, which is one of the reasons why I think he, he didn't last in MMA as much. You know, if you have that background in grappling and then you pick up striking, you you just always have that that foundation. Yeah. And this this debate was why are wrestlers so successful in MMA? And I think it's it's twofold. It's it, people say it's either this or this. One, it determines where the fight takes place. So you can you can control where the fight goes. That's technically there. But like I said, almost every wrestler I know compared to other martial arts has an iron will. And you need that as a champion. You need mm-hmm. that iron will. Mm-hmm. And uh so there's that mental side and the physical side. And again, that's why I think so many champions and so many contenders, it's something like 87% of top 10 fighters and, and even at some more champions are, are, were based in grappling and mostly mostly wrestling, not Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Although Brazilian jiu-jitsu is significant too. But, mm-hmm. uh, but um, you know, as their start out martial art was, was wrestling, it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a recipe for success. My favorite wrestling move is uh, where you, you got the guy on the ground, you put your knees on their arms, and then you hit them in their own hands. That's what I used to do as a kid when I trained. <laughs> you know, older brother move. Older brother move. Yeah, that's, that's so, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we got the the, yeah. uh, the the message that we have to wrap up. The misses are outside waiting for us. Okay. Um, but this is a great, great, this great has been podcast. Amazing. Yeah. Any, oh, anything any else last you want words? to say? Yeah. Oh no! Thanks for having me. It was really no, nice to meet. No, fantastic! Both. Great meeting you. What a what an awesome awesome guest. Yeah, I wish yeah. we had more time. This yeah, no kidding, Matt. What's I'm up with that? I don't yeah. control the time. <laughs> you do. You are the time master. I'm the time master. You're, no, you're the time lord. No, very, oh, yes, yes please, please. It's New York City. They can find things. <laughs> um, what you were just saying uh, about wrestlers, I think it just takes a long time, whether it's jujitsu or wrestling, whatever grappling takes a long time to master Yeah, uh, the body mechanics, the fatigue, the moves, of course, but in the mentality, developing the mentality takes, and also you probably have to be born with a little bit of that to really be successful. Um, just that mentality. But that's why I think when you see these publicity stunts like Floyd Mayweather, 
is going to um, be in MMA or just any big boxer. Uh, boxing is terrific as it's sport in boxing, but in real fighting, you're going to have to take a long time um, and put a lot of work in to counter somebody who wants to take you down to the ground. So I just saw a, a really brief news story that said he was applying for his license. It's going to take six to eight months to get his and that his wrestling was pretty good already. Yeah, he said a 7 out of a 10. And, and unless he's been working on it for 7 years, that's... 7 you know, years? We'll talk about 15 years. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're I mean, like a negative 10 out of 10. So, um, that's why I just... Yes, I agree to you. Strikers are terrific at striking, but when you throw this other little piece into it, it's not something that can be learned in a year, no. or you know, I mean, it's 10 years of work. Um, yeah. And so, uh, maybe that's I don't want to say it's more difficult to learn than striking, but there is something about the body mechanics or whatever it is that just takes longer to adjust. To no, no and, and you're absolutely right. It's just like boxing is in one dimension, meaning you're on your feet. You don't box on your hands. You don't box on your back. You yeah. don't box on your shoulder. You box in one dimension, one plane. So that means the techniques are limited. Let's say not just take boxing. Let's take kickboxing and Muay Thai, mm. right? You're on your feet. There's no time when you're not on your feet. If you go on the ground, you get up. Yeah. So you're dealing with one plane of motion. Now, when you're dealing with jiu-jitsu and wrestling and Russian sambo and uh, judo, you're in 360-degree sphere. There's an action and a movement for every angle of, of human, the human dimension. So you could be trying to, get some, trying to pin a guy. And in jiu-jitsu, you could be on your back. You could be underneath them. You could be on your shoulder. You could be here. You could be in the air. There's a great video of Hicks and Gracie where a guy tries to um, to throw him, and Hicks and Gracie does a helicopter. He spins around 360 degrees in the air, in the air, and lands on his wow. feet and takes his back and chokes the guy out. Wow. I'm like, holy crap. Now, of course, that's Hicks and Gracie, but, but yeah. he had that years of developing those cat-like reflexes yeah. because wrestling – and judo and, and jiu-jitsu, even more so I think jiu-jitsu because we play on our back too, you know. But you are in every angle of human movement. So, of course, there are more techniques. You know, how many variations of singles do you know? It, two. Two. <laughs> no, three, but I mean there's, three. you know, there's the John Smith, there's this, but yeah. finishes. I mean, you know, like yeah. there's so many. How many doubles? How many high Cs? How many this? Is a, how many entries? How many this? There's so much. And you're just talking wrestling. When you put the submissions, even more. Yeah. But when you talk about boxing, there's only like really 12 punches. Now, of course, within that, there's a science, and that's not to discredit the amazing technical aspect Absolutely. of, of yeah. boxing. But the techniques are limited. They're just there's only so much you can do if you're only in one plane of movement. And the same thing with Thai boxing. There's you know like eight kicks, eight. That's it. You know you know how many takedowns I know? Just takedowns. I probably know like fifty minimum. Minimum no more than that. Like I can't even tell you how many you know. Not six. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> you know, and then right. submissions. I probably not counting variations. Not counting any variations at all, just base submissions, probably about 100. Not variations. Not individual unique submissions. I know 100. Variations, I don't even know. Hmm. So, of course, it's more time to learn and more ego destruction over because you, you get that guy who knows more than you and then you're like, ah, you get just, you know, you know, older brother, you know, and yeah. then you have to pick it up and you have to pick it up, pick it up. And, and um, you know, the, the striking arts are amazing. And that's not to put down my start as a striker, but there's just more to learn in grappling. Yeah. And and there's then that humility factor and that fight factor has to come out to overcome to climb that mountain, you know. You can learn every punch in boxing within you know a week. You could. That's not to saying you're mastering them, but you could learn every punch in boxing. There's no way I can teach you every throw in judo in a week. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. 
No way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so well, you heard uh, it here first. Renee says boxing sucks. Do no, I did. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of the sweet science. I just you know different it's okay. different. You can say that. Yeah, I love I love them all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All, all real martial arts yeah. are. He's backpedaling. All real martial arts have a place and and a wonderful element. It's just they they focus on their individual dimensions. Like, hmm. you know, if you're fencing. That's an individual dimension. With swords, it's going to be an individual dimension that has nothing to do with wrestling. Right. You know, um, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that's that's that dimension. You know. So Matt, I understand. You know, when 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 not Rose wins, I'm going to hold that choke out even harder than I did the last time. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to be choked again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm taking. I'm taking that choke. I'm ta- oh no, no. I know another. I have a submission that I'll put you in. A different one. They will not injure you. We but that we, we call it UFC Rose versus you. Yes. Okay. So that's oh, what I claim. Yeah. I'm going to claim the Renee special, the Japanese lock. Okay. That's uh, that's the one I learned in Japan. Japanese lock. I'm going to put you in. That's uh, my that's my my thing. That's I what mean, I, if I win, that's what I get to do to you. We need a video stream that yeah. day. Yes. Yes. See. Absolutely. For sure. Why does everybody think Rose? Oh is my God. Win? Rose. No. Rose. No. No. I'm I'm for Rose. I'm I say Rose is going to. I don't know if she's going to win, but I hope she wins. That's what I said. No, you said um, Joanna. All right. We'll have to go back and listen to it again, but I'm not sure. You picked Joanna. I picked Rose. All right. Well, I'm going to sharpen my uh, toothbrush shiv and bring it to the studio to <laughs> defend myself. Do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Renee is on his way to Home Depot to get some sandpaper, so Radical yeah. MMA, prepare yourselves for the new training techniques. Um, thanks, Nathan. Thank you so much for coming through. We appreciate you taking you time so out much. of your it vacation. Was fantastic. Um, thanks, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Please share, like, subscribe, review, rate, and um, we'll see you next week. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Marshall underscore culture and on Instagram at Marshall culture cast. Please leave a review on iTunes and we'll see you next time on the Marshall culture podcast.